Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. All right guys, let's dive in. Just start, just start. And I think there's magic in that. Like the people that I know in my life that I've been around and I've been lucky enough to be around a ton of people that you never heard of and a, a lot of people that you have heard of. Uh, Russell Brunson, Gary Vaynerchuk, like some of these, you know, big name, really big name people. And the one thing that I've noticed about them and the people you don't know, but they're highly highly successful, both financially and personally. One of the common threads between all of them, all of them, is they're action takers. They don't talk about what they want to do. They do it. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, welcome back to the show. I am happy to have you here. Guys, I have another great Q&A for you. Uh, really, really enjoying doing these Wednesday Q&As on my Facebook page, Just Start Real Estate. You can go check it out every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And then I take those and I bring them here for you, my listening audience, just in case you're not on that live Q&A and you don't hear it. You can tune in here and get all of the goodies right here on the podcast. Uh, but I do encourage you to go check it out on Facebook because I will answer your questions. It's great to hear other people's questions. And sometimes there are things that people ask that you never would have thought to ask. And it's just super exciting when someone asks a question that you want to know the answer to and never would have thought of to ask on your own. But if you have burning questions, if you are struggling in your business, if you have real specific questions for you in your situation, you can hop on there, just start real estate on Facebook, and I will help you out every Wednesday for free. So that's for you. Okay, guys, today we're talking about a bunch of stuff, but among them, uh, which CRM to use, uh, that's the um, uh, client relation management software. Uh, it's typically used in sales. If you don't use that in your business, you probably should start thinking about using it to stay organized. We also talked about manufactured housing, analysis paralysis, and how that affects you. And we also, somebody asked a question about the book Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, and I talked about why that book is a game changer, not only for your business, but I believe for your life and your relationship. So this was a fun episode, tons of good stuff, and I'm excited to bring it to you. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Here you go. Q&A Wednesday nights live for you through replay right here. All right, here we are. We are live and uh, welcome. Welcome back to my Q&A. I appreciate it. Uh, we do this every week at 7 p.m. Eastern time and 4 p.m. Pacific. And uh, as always, I am going to adjust things here so that I can so I can answer your questions and see what you guys are asking. Uh, give me one second here and I will be locked and loaded. Here we go. Okay, great. I'm back. All right. 
guys, thank you for being here. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, we are uh, very close. We, we pushed back the launch of the Find and Fund Blueprint <clears throat> just by a few weeks. Uh, we had some folks that wanted to get in and we wanted to make sure everybody who wanted to be in could get in. And so for those of you who had signed up and were expecting it to start a little earlier, I apologize. Uh, I just want to make sure this is absolutely the best it can possibly be. And we get all the right people in, the people that are the most you know in the position for, for them to be able to really launch their, their business. And, and I really want to help as many people as possible. So uh, we push that back, but that means you still have time. So if you want to check it out, if you didn't get a chance, didn't hear about it, if this is the first time you're hearing about it, I run a program. It's a four-week, very intensive, accelerated program called the Real Estate Find and Fund Blueprint. It's called the Find and Fund Blueprint because what I've identified over the last 12, 13 years that I've been in real estate and specifically over the last five or six years that I've been hands-on coaching and mentoring uh, investors just like you, it's always, I can't find deals or I can't find enough deals or I can find deals, but I don't have any money and I don't have access to money and there's no money out there and I can't find any way to fund these deals. I've got you covered. I am going to teach you how to find deals reliably, consistently, so that your deal flow is not what's stopping you from growing. And then I'm also going to show you exactly how you can get all of your deals funded every single time. Trust me, guys, there's more than enough money out there right now to fund all of your deals. More than enough. That is not your problem. I promise you that is not your problem. And finding deals shouldn't be either. I don't care that we're in a hot market. It makes things different and it, and it gives there's certain challenges associated with that. But the market is not good or bad. I can't I can't stress that enough. When people say, how's the market? They're looking for either good or bad, and it's neither. The market is what it is. The market doesn't have a personality. You just have to understand at what market cycle you're in so that you can adjust your approach and adjust your business model to be successful and crush it in that market. And so the market that we're in, yeah, there's certain challenges that, that we didn't have five or six years ago, but there's certain opportunities that we didn't have five or six years ago. So learning how to find deals and then get them funded is really the name of the game. If you can do those two things reliably and consistently, I promise you, you can build a really successful real estate investing company. You really, really can't. Now, in that program, I'm not just going to teach you how to find and fund. I'm also going to give you all of this, everything I do to run my business, everything I did to grow my business, all of my tools, all of my systems, all of my processes, all of it, all the paperwork you need, everything. It's all inclusive. It'll all be there. The only thing you have to do is raise your hand figuratively and say, I want to participate. And you do that by going to findandfundblueprint.com. That's findandfundblueprint.com. Go there, check it out. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Go check it out. I put my name on it. I stand behind it. I am dedicated to everybody's success who joins that program. Okay, uh, let's get on with this week's questions. As you guys know, I get questions throughout the week. People email me, they DM me, they send me Facebook messages, all these different ways of getting getting questions to me. Uh, and then I, my team and I curate those and we kind of put them into questions for this Q&A. But if you're here live, if you're logged on and you have questions, that's what it's for, right? This is a live Q&A. So I want you to throw your questions in the chat 
anytime I've got a, uh, I got someone in the background kind of helping me here. So we'll get those questions answered and they'll put them into my feed so I can see them uh, and we'll get them answered. So now's a great time to get free answers to your questions, right? You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just come here on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and I will answer your questions. Okay, here we go with some of the questions that we received during the week uh, in no particular order here. Uh, number First question, number one, have you used any of the online services like Roofstock to buy or sell homes? What was your experience like? Okay, because I... It, I'm just 100% transparent here, guys. I'm not here to sell anybody's services or anything. Um, I have used used Roofstock. I actually interviewed the owner of Roofstock on my podcast, Just Start Real Estate. Great guy. And I think it's a really good, valuable service that they provide. Um, I've had mixed results. I have sold a property or two on their on their site, using their site. Um, and I think I, I think I might've put four or five up and I sold one or I think I sold two, two of the five sold. Uh, the other three did not. And so I, I kind of had a mixed experience. Um, it was it was overall, I would say, good if I had to rate it like up to five stars, you know, like a, like an Amazon rating. I'd probably be at like three and a half or four. It, it was pretty good. Uh, I got some results. I didn't get the results I was hoping for. It didn't happen as fast as I thought it would happen. Um, but it happened. I did sell properties and there are people looking for properties on that site. So it could have been the properties I had. I don't know. I think that they were um, good. And I think there was value there. And by the way, I sold them all on my own eventually because I tried Roofstock first and the ones I didn't sell, I just went on my own and, and did it personally in my own backyard. And I was able to sell all of them that didn't sell on Roofstock. I was able to sell them myself. I was just trying to hit the easy button with Roofstock and let them and their, and their community kind of do, you know, uh, kind of put that in their hands and let them bring the buyers. And it was, like I said, okay. Um, I, I would recommend that you try them, uh, but I don't know that I would bank on them like being the answer for you. I haven't used any other services to buy or sell homes, pretty much just roof stock. And um, I think they're worth trying. And it could be it could be different results in different areas. Maybe certain areas of the country are hotter than others. So um, it might work better for you or it could work worse, I suppose. But I think they were worth trying. They're not bad. I mean, they're definitely not bad. Like I said, three and a half to four out of five is probably what I would rate them. Okay, next question. Um, but by the way, Roofstock isn't magic. They can't sell bad properties, right? So if you have a property that you, you bought it way too high and nobody wants it and, and you know the numbers just don't make sense and you think you're going to put it on Roofstock and, and somebody's going to magically buy it, it's probably not going to happen unless you're just in a crazy, crazy, like desirable market and people are willing to buy properties and maybe you know not make a ton of money because they want something in that area. But that's super rare and, and I don't recommend that being anybody's strategy. But um, and so just make sure that whatever you're putting on there, you have realistic expectations, right? You're not, you're not assuming that you couldn't sell it, but you know, somehow everyone's going to want it on Roofstock. That's not the way it works. Um, okay, next question. I'm looking for real estate CRM software. I'm looking for a real estate CRM software program to help, help me with direct mail marketing campaigns. I need a good system to help me organize my property owner contacts and allow me to stay in regular contact with them. Do you have any suggestions? Okay, so there's two things being asked here. You're asking for a CRM, you mentioned direct mail, but I'm assuming it's not the direct mail campaigns that you wanna keep track of, it's it's the incoming responses. It's the people, um, 
It's the people who reach out, the, the sellers who reach out to you as, as a result of that. And so here's what I would say. It's a great question. It's a super common question. It's something that I tackle in pretty significant detail in the um, Find and Fund Blueprint program. And, and I'll do this. I, I've done this in, in past weeks and, and I kind of play around with this. I, I'm going to give you the short answer and then I'm going to explain a little further. Sometimes I do that in reverse. The short answer is, don't put a ton of energy and time into trying to pick the best CRM, okay? All CRMs have flaws. All of them have flaws. They all have something they don't do really super, super well. Um, the best CRM is the one that you use. I think the, the problem that most people have with their CRMs is they're not consistent. They're not putting in, they're not inputting the data on a, on a very consistent and regular basis. And so it's not useful for them. And they think there's no CRM that's going to do it for you. So you have to, somebody has to be in charge of making sure this information is being put in. Um, and, and I think, and I don't know the background of the person asking this question. I don't know how big their company is. If, they're, if, if the person asking this has a company where they're doing five, 10, 15, 20 deals a month, CRM is pretty doggone important. They, they need to handle that and they need to get handled right now. If a new person asks me this, someone who's never done a deal, and they're like super hung up and super concerned about CRM, I usually tell them, don't even worry about it. Like, don't. See, don't even think about CRM. Go get a deal and make money. Go find a deal and wholesale it. Go find a deal and flip it. Go find a deal and burr it, right? Use the burr method. Like go and make money and get a couple of deals going before you start worrying about CRM. Now, if you're listening to this out there and you're, and you're kind of an experienced investor, you might be thinking, whoa, wait a minute, you're, that's bad advice. What are, you, what are you doing? People need CRM for follow-up and to keep track of contacts. Yes, I agree. But with all due respect, I'm telling you, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of newer investors. And almost all of them are more worried about getting a CRM, spending days or weeks really understanding it and customizing it and getting it to do all these automations. And they're not spending time trying to find deals. And that is a colossal mistake because You'll get burned out of the CRM. Like you'll, you'll get bogged down. You'll get deep into the weeds. You'll have problem with the automations. It won't be working the way you want. And all of that is just really a distraction from what's really important. And that's making money. You're an investor. Your job as a real estate investor and an entrepreneur is to generate revenue, generate revenue, and then worry about your CRM. CRM comes second. Money comes first. Okay. Now, if this person is experienced and they just want some my feedback on what CRMs I've used, um, I've used a, I don't know if it's a lot. I've I probably used three or four CRMs in my in my years, um, and it seems like my company starts looking at other CRMs about every couple two or three years. We start thinking we need a different CRM because we find all the flaws in the ones that we're using, and and we always want to switch. And it's a real slippery slope when you start switching CRMs. First of all, it's a little bit tedious. It can be really painful, and you get into the new one that you had such high hopes that was going to be fantastic, and it's just okay. So here's what I have found: we used Podio the longest. We were using Podio for about four years. Podio is absolutely fine. Is it perfect? No. Um, but it'll do what you need it to do. It'll get the job done. 
and it'll work, right? So just don't overthink it. Podio is also so highly used that there's so many YouTube videos out there about how to set it up. And like, you can find any video that you want about anything to do with Podio. So Podio is a great place to start. I think they still have a free version um, and that's totally fine. Trust me, the automations are great. You don't need them at first. Um, we've also tried uh, FreedomSoft. It was okay. We're, we're in the process of moving away from FreedomSoft right now. Um, it's not perfect. You know, after you're in it for a while, you find the flaws. So it's okay. Uh, REI Simply is one that people use that I hear is good. Um, and so that's okay. Uh, Investor Fuse is another one that I have used. Again, okay, has its flaws. It was a little frustrating for us. And so we went away from it. They have since upgraded and they have newer versions out now that maybe are a little bit better, a little bit more stable. I don't know. But so um, Investor Fuse, we've used that, you know? Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I, I don't like, you know what? A, a spreadsheet can work too in the beginning when you're new. A spreadsheet can work just fine. Just focus on making money. And, and once you start getting some deal flow, then get into the CRM and, and make sure that it's, you know, you're capturing everything and stuff. I would tell you from day one to get your CRM set up. I've seen too many people just stall out on the CRM. They spend so much time obsessing about the CRM. And it really, really is not as important as you think when you're starting out. It's super important when you start generating dozens or hundreds of leads a week. Now it's pretty important because you need to keep track and there's just way too many to keep track of manually. But when you're very, very new and you're only getting a handful of leads a week, you can absolutely do that in a spreadsheet. Or if you really want a CRM and you're just, you're absolutely hell bent on having a CRM. I say, if all else fails, like my default answer is Podio, use Podio. And that's spelled uh, P-O-D-I-O, Podio. Go there, get the free version. Um, and, and just set it up, basically use YouTube to figure out how to set it up and just, just use that for a while. I, I know people who have gotten to a million dollars in revenue using the free version of Podio. It works, it's fine. Is it, It's not perfect, right? I'm not gonna keep interviewing myself. I hate when people do that. They ask themselves questions and answer it. I, I don't like doing that, but it's not perfect. It's good enough, so use that. Okay, next question. I am considering buying a manufactured home as an investment property. Any thoughts? If, okay, so there's manufactured, um, there's trailers, like modular, and sometimes people use these terms interchangeably. If you're talking about like a trailer home, like literally it has axles and wheels and it's in a trailer park, I don't know that I would necessarily be super psyched about that as an investment property. It can work. You can do it for sure. Um, they don't appreciate so much, so you got to be careful if you, you know, just... I don't know if I would necessarily, um, if I would necessarily advise you to do that. But if you're talking about like a manufactured home, um, and that's what you said, manufactured, I'm just making sure that we're on the same page. And that's like a prefab home, right? They build it somewhere in like a warehouse. It's all put together with two by fours and it comes in like two parts and they bring it to the site and put it together and stitch it together and it's a house. Um, I think those are fine. If they're on land, they appreciate like a normal property in every place I've ever heard of. Um, I have, uh, I have one right now that I have as a rental and it's great. It, it appreciates it's, 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 you know, title, just like a normal, it is a normal house. It just was built off site and then brought on site instead of being built on site. Um, so I think manufactured homes, if that's what you're talking about in that capacity, I think they're fine. I think they're great. 
You know, I, I don't, there's no, there's no downside that I'm aware of. I don't think there's a downside. Now, if it's, like I said, if it's in a trailer park or something, <clears throat> that's a little different story, but if it's on land and has a foundation, uh, I think it's great. I have no qualms about that at all. I've got one myself and it's great. Makes, makes me tons of money every month. So I think it's good. Okay. Next question. Um, my wife and I are in our mid forties <clears throat> and have worked extremely all caps, extremely hard to pay off all of our debt, including our primary residence. Wow. That's great. We have been able to stash away about $30,000 this year from our W2 jobs. Again, fantastic. Saving 30,000 in a year is amazing. I feel like I have a case of analysis paralysis because I want to start investing, but can't decide if I want to look for outside money to augment my down payment or just be patient and keep saving. <clears throat> Can anyone share any tips uh, to getting over? Okay. Uh, yes. To get over your initial fears and doubts. Okay. To answer your very specific question about whether or not you should just keep saving and, and use all of your own money or look for other money um, to augment your um, your down payment. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely look for other money, money to augment your down payment. Don't wait. You have $30,000. I don't know where you're writing this from. I don't know what state you're in. I don't know if houses cost $500,000 or if the houses that you're looking for, um, are, are, you know, like as, as like investment properties, if they're like $50,000. So I don't know that, but assuming that 30,000 will be at least enough for the first one, I would borrow the rest of the money and, and burr it, right? Get it, uh, buy it, uh, renovate it, rent it, refinance, repeat. And that's, I would start now. And, and if you live in an area where houses cost, you know, 50 to $100,000 for rentals, if that's what you're doing, then you probably have enough money here for two down payments and you could do two at a time and, and kind of move even faster. So I always think you should, you should definitely leverage other people's money, whether that's private money, hard money, institutional financing, like banks and credit unions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like no, no question about it. Like go your analysis paralysis is going to tell you to save the right. Just keep saving because that's putting off any sort of fear and doubt and risk. Um, but you have to think about this, right? When it comes to fear and doubt, and I'm, I'm kind of an expert on this because I spent five years of my life thinking I wanted to do real estate, planning to do real estate and not doing it. <clears throat> so I know what it's like to have that analysis paralysis. I know what it's like to wait weeks, months, years to do something that you really want to do because you're sort of riddled with fear and doubt and all this stuff. You probably know more than enough to get started. Okay. Especially when you say analysis paralysis, that means you've been analyzing it. You probably know more than enough to get started. You do not have to know everything to get started. And Frank, in fact, I don't think you will ever, you'll never know everything, but I don't even think you'll know all that much until you actually do it. I think doing it is always the best teacher. So I would say definitely get started. Now, when it comes to the fears and doubts, you have to really dig in. I'm a firm believer in this. You have, and I didn't do it early enough. You have to dig into your why. Why do you want to invest in real estate? What is that going to do for you? What if you don't invest? What if you never invest? What if you just take that 30,000 and go on vacation and buy a car or buy a boat? What if you just forget this idea of real estate altogether, put it out of your mind, never do it. What does that, what does that feel like to you? How does that feel? Do you get this desperate, like, oh no, no, I want to do it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to work my, my W2 job for the rest of my life, or I, I don't have enough money. I can't save enough for retirement, whatever that 
reason is for wanting to do real estate, you have to dig into that really, really deep. Find a compelling why. Get your compelling why really fresh in your mind and think about that every single day. And the bottom line is you have to just get started, right? My podcast, Just Start Real Estate, I didn't just stumble onto that name and just whatever. When I was in my fear and doubt stage, I would listen to podcasts. I would listen to these different things on the internet about the you know people that I really admired, people that I really wanted to emulate them in their business. And I just really thought a lot of them and looked up to them as entrepreneurs and leaders. Almost to a man or to a woman, to every single time I listened to them talk, at the end of the interview, the interviewer would usually say something like, hey, do you have any parting words? Do you have any words of advice? Do you have any last thoughts, anything you want to leave the audience with? And almost every single time that person who I was listening to and really um, admiring would say, just start, like just start. And I think there's magic in that. Like the people that I know in my life that I've been around, and I've been lucky enough to be around a ton of people that you never heard of, and a, a lot of people that you have heard of, uh, Russell Brunson, Gary Vaynerchuk, like some of these, you know, big name, really big name people. And the one thing that I've noticed about them and the people you don't know, but they're highly, highly successful, both financially and personally. One of the common threads between all of them, all of them, is their action takers. They don't talk about what they want to do. They do it. When they get an idea or when they get inspired or when they come up with a plan or something that they want to do that's going to help them move closer to their goals, they take action immediately. They don't talk about it. They don't plan forever. They go for it. So action always precedes results. Action is an absolute common denominator of success, 110%. I've known really smart people who did not have the success that they wanted because they didn't take action. They were super smart, really intelligent, but it's not about intelligence. It's not about how much you know. It's not about who you know, frankly. It's about what you do with what you know. If you know a little and take a ton of action, I'll bet on that person all day long before I'll bet on the person who knows a ton and takes very little action. The person who takes the action wins, okay? This isn't a contest, but if it were, the people who take action win every time. So that's my advice to you. Get over the self-doubt. Get over the paralysis analysis. It's all fear. It's all excuses. It's all BS. And by the way, it's standing in the way of what you want and where you want to be and who you want to be and what you want to have and what you want your life to be. It's all stand. You're standing in your own way. Get out of your own way. Get started right now. You'll learn so much by taking action. And it's not going to be perfect. You'll make mistakes. We all do. But making mistakes is part of success. And so you're not going to get to the success until you make those little mistakes along the way. But you've got to get started. You've just got to do it. Come up with a plan and execute. You only have to know how to get from A to B. You You do not have to know how to get from A to Z. Z comes later. Get to B, and when you get to B, figure out how to get to C. When you get to C, figure out how to get to D, okay? That's the plan. That's how you do it. Take action every single day. That's my advice. And yes, leverage other people's money and get out there and get that down payment going.
Okay, uh, let's see. Next question. You recommended the book Extreme Ownership. I do. I love it. It's behind me. You guys should all read it. Uh, you, you, uh, okay, let me go back. You recommend the book Extreme Ownership in another live q and I'm trying to implement this on my company with 12 employees, but it doesn't seem to be working well. There is still a lot of finger pointing and excuse making going on. Do you have some suggestions or do I just continue to model the behavior myself and lower my expectations for now? Oh, dear God, for sure model it. Do not lower your expectations and do not stop implementing extreme ownership. And here's the deal. I sat next to Jocko Willing at a dinner and I was a, and I was lucky enough to spend the day around him when he was speaking at Flip Hacking Live a couple of years ago. Um, he's he's amazing. He's an intense guy for sure. The guy that you, you know, see on these videos online and stuff. He is that guy. Um, and like I said, I sat by him at dinner. I'm telling you, he would not lower his expectations of his team. Um, the hard truth is if you have a, a bunch of, and I'm not, I'm not sure that all 12 employees are like excuse makers and finger pointers, but the finger pointers and excuse makers should be warned and they should be released in my opinion. And you need to get people on the team who embrace the value of extreme ownership. And for those of you who are listening that don't know what I mean by extreme ownership, or you've never read the book, the summary, in my opinion, the overarching message is you take responsibility for everything that happens to and around you in your life. Even if you don't necessarily feel like it was your fault, everything that happens to and around you, you could affect and you should affect and you take responsibility for it. People who take responsibility without questioning it, without pointing fingers, if you have a team of those kind of people, your team will win, your company will win. And that's what you should do. If the whole world took responsibility and individually, each person took responsibility for everything that happens to them and didn't point fingers and said, this is my fault. I, I need to fix this. I need to do something different to get a different result next time. And didn't blame the government, didn't blame the parents, didn't blame, blame their income, didn't blame their boss, didn't blame their spouse, their kids, their cousin, their brother, their height, their age, their weight, their gender, their race. If they didn't blame any of those things or use any of them as excuses, they would be better off, number one, infinitely better off. But everyone around them that they come into contact would be better off. That where they work would be better off. It's just a it's just a, a a more responsible way of conducting yourself by taking ownership of you and everything that you do and everything that happens to you. Um, and so I, I don't think you should lower expectations. I don't, and I don't think you should go in like a like a like a whirlwind, right? And just be like everyone, you're all fired because you finger point, right? Maybe. In, in the spirit of extreme ownership, it's your fault, right? That they're not embracing this or that they're not recognizing what you want from them or recognizing the value in following the principles in the book, Extreme Ownership, right? You need to take ownership of that. For sure, model it. But realize if you have 12 people who just aren't embracing it or, or catching on, Look at yourself. What, what are you not doing as a leader that's not making it seem important enough to them? And it's not making them want to embrace that philosophy, 
right? That, that's where you have to start. And you really need to get them on board with this because a team that embraces that, that those principles that are in the book of extreme ownership, a team that embraces that is a winning team always. And listen, don't get me wrong. I've had plenty of people in my company that I've hired on my team that didn't embrace that. They're not there anymore. Everybody who's working for me right now takes full ownership without question, without pointing fingers, without resentment. They take ownership and we crush it. We have a great team and we're all supportive of each other, right? We all work as a team. Extreme ownership isn't just like, ah, I do something wrong and somebody else is going to take responsibility for it because we all take, right? No, it's not. It's you take responsibility. They take, if everybody takes responsibility for the things that go wrong, I'm not saying that one person has to take responsibility. Everybody takes responsibility and they all figure out what their part they played and how they could change that next time. Extreme ownership, I'm telling you, your, your employees should read it. Your, your bosses should read it. If you have a W-2, you should have your kids take that information in. It, it's, it's so fantastic. And if, and if everybody would embrace that philosophy, there's no question we'd all be better off in our relationships and in business, right? Um, too many finger pointing people, too many excuse makers, too many people who want something other than them to be the problem, right? When a lot of times we are our own problems. Okay. Soapbox, you start asking me about that book, I get in a soapbox. Okay, next question. With the market being so hot right now, I, I don't know what I, let's see, I don't know what to do. With the market being so hot, I don't know what to do. If I sold my rental property now, I could make about $75,000 or I can continue to pocket $700 a month by renting. My goal is to build a portfolio and buy several more buy and holds. Thoughts? Yes, I do have a thought. If your goal is to build a portfolio, then by definition, you are doing the opposite of your goal if you sell the one property you have now, right? You can't build a portfolio by selling properties. That's the opposite. That's getting rid of a portfolio. Now, I get, I get the spirit of the question, right? There's money to be made right now. I can make 75K if I sell right now or pocket $700 a month. I would say keep the, keep the property and borrow the money to buy your next one, use the burst strategy, refi out of it, buy another one. Like I would, I would move forward in what you're trying to do, right? If your goal is over here and you've taken one step in that direction, why would you step back only to go forward in that same direction again, right? If it, just when you put it that simply, I think it makes, you can see what I'm saying. So, I say, if your goal is to build a portfolio, build a portfolio. If your goal is to liquidate and, and get cash now and, and wait for something like the market to correct, that's, that's different. But that, your goal isn't to like cash out. Your goal is to build. So build, right? We don't know when and if the market's going to crash. We don't know how much it's going to crash by necessarily, right? We don't know what, that, what that's going to look like if it even happens. Um, I'm assuming it's going to happen, right? To me, the market's a pendulum a little bit. So when it swings in one direction pretty far, it's almost uh, inevitable. I think that it's going to swing, not going to swing the other way. It's, it's going to swing the other way, in other words. So um, it'll correct. I don't know. It's not going to look like 08, probably, for sure. It's going to look much less. It's going to be more mild than that, most likely. Um, but I don't know. Listen, I don't have a crystal ball. I was just telling somebody yesterday, I was interviewing on my podcast, and I said, if I had a crystal ball, I wouldn't be interviewing right now. I probably wouldn't be talking to anybody right now. If I had a crystal ball, like 
you know, I don't own the world. So um, I don't know what's going to happen. But again, you know, just I like when questions come at me like this, I like to just let's distill it down to the most simple, basic concepts and figure out what to do. Because when we start getting like overthinking a problem, that's when it gets really, really confusing and, and it gets stressful, right? The basics are, I have one property. I want to have several properties, okay? That's, that's the basic premise here. The question is, if I have one property and I want many properties, should I sell the property I have? No, that's the wrong direction. I say buy more properties so that you work toward having many properties because that's the goal. Borrow the money, leverage other people's money, right? You, you can do that. It's out there. Okay. Again, this goes back to the original thing that I talked about when I was talking about my program. People get worried that uh, this person probably wants to sell their property because there's equity in it and they figure the equity is going to be gone. And, and I, I don't know where else I'm going to, you know, the, the underlying, you know, the other underlying challenge here is I don't know where to get money because they're, they want to get money out of a property they own. I say borrow the money. There's always money out there to borrow. And it's usually going to cost uh, low enough that it makes total sense to use at least initially until you refinance out, maybe at a lower interest rate. So hold on to that property. $700 a month, by the way, I don't know the cost of the property. I don't know like what it's worth. I don't know what you paid, but $700 a month on one property is pretty solid. Like that's really solid. And depending on what part of your con the country you're in, it's unheard of. I'm in Michigan, a sing and I'm assuming it's a single family, a single family home usually is not going to cash flow $700. That's, that's not, it's not realistic in Michigan or in a lot of places in the Midwest, it's not realistic unless, you know, you bought it outright or you inherited it or something. And it's just some unique situation, but buying a house with financing that's, that's cash flowing is, is that $700 a month is, is a great start, right? How many of those do you need to get to your goal of being financially free? All right. I don't know what your bills are and I don't know where you are and I don't know your situation, but for most people, they don't need many $700 a month properties to be financially free. Now to be rich, no, not necessarily, not, not unless you have tons of them, but $700 a month, you know, you figure you buy 10 of those, you know, most people that, that equals financial freedom. You get 20 of those for sure. Right. And then you go from there. But if your goal is to have buy and holds, work toward the goal. Don't work backward. Don't work in a different direction. People do the same thing with like flipping and wholesaling. So many people tell me, I want to flip houses. That's what I love. That's what I want to do. I love managing projects. I love, you know, turning neighborhoods around and making bad and ugly neighborhoods look great and putting good families in them. Like rehab and, and flipping houses is my passion, but I'm going to wholesale for a couple of years and then I'm going to start flipping. And it's like, wait, why? Why would you do that? Why would you go west when your goal is to go east? Like go east, work in the direction of what you want. That's what you need to do. Don't go in a different direction. So to me, selling the one rental you have when your goal is to have a lot of rentals, it's going in the wrong direction. Buy more rentals, work, in, work towards your goal. Keep the one you have. It sounds great. Keep working towards your goal. And by the way, that 75K that you can get out of it right now, it's possible in a couple of years, it won't be 75K, it might be less. But in 10 years, in 20 years, it's probably going to be more than 75K for sure. Almost, almost certainly, in my opinion, right? So if, if your goal is buying holds for long-term investing, 
that 75K is going to grow anyway at some point down the line. So I say keep it. All right. Um, looking here, I don't see any other questions. Uh, I have no more from the week that I compiled. So one thing I'm just going to say real quick is, again, guys, if you want to build your company, if you haven't started yet, or if you've started and you're just not getting the traction that you want, you need some help finding deals and funding deals and understanding how to structure your business and how to put it together and what are the different components and who should you hire when and how much do you pay them and what do they do and all these things, right? In addition to the two pillars, finding deals and funding them. That's, that's it, man. That, that, is, that is the business we're in. If you need help with that, I am here. Go check it out. It's findandfundblueprint.com. Findandfundblueprint.com. I'll be back here again next week at 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific. I want to see you back here next week with your questions, guys. It's been fun. We'll talk to you next time. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.